Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. So, you know, look at Gehazi. We're looking at self as being a big obstacle in, in serving God effectively. Gehazi saw the first for for or, or first hand the miracles of Elisha. If there was a servant that was going to take over from Elisha, it would have been Gehazi. You remember, Gehazi had carried the, the staff, the rod of Elisha before. It was, it was Gehazi that Elisha sent. Remember that woman who had lost her child in 2 Kings? Gehazi had gone with Elisha's staff to go and put on that sick child. So Gehazi had seen miracles. He had walked close to Elisha and had seen how God has been working with him. But it was from the presence of Elisha that Gehazi went and became a leper. It was from his presence. You know, so you are welcome, Kevin. You are welcome, the Salido. <laughs> this is the Salido lads now. I saw that you people wrote the Salido lads. <laughs> it's no longer the Salido family. It's a little lad. You're welcome. So we're just recapping what we looked at last week. And um, we were looking at the fact that self can, can be a big obstacle in the service of God. And that none of us should underrate or ignore self and think, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm saved anyway. I can I can do anything I want to do. It, it doesn't matter. No, it matters. Because self has not has never allowed anybody to serve God effectively. That's why even as Christians, we need to keep ourselves under. We need to ensure that self doesn't rear its head up and spoil what God wants to do through us. The enemy usually sees self, Mr. Self, as an ambassador in us that he can recruit. So we are going to just look at a few scriptures just to challenge us that even our forefathers, men of old who worked with God, they understood how they need to deal with self so that it doesn't Truncate what they want to do for God. Now, let's just read a scripture very quickly. Um, it's in the book of, let me just be sure that that's it. Yes, it's in, it's in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This was Paul talking. And it really challenged me a lot because if Paul, took note of this. If great men who have worked closely with God took note of it, who are we not to take note of it? So let's let's study it. First Corinthians chapter 9. So this was Paul writing to the Corinthian Christians about Christian service. Now, um, I think I will read it from verse... 24. Um, maybe I will. Yes, verse 24. I think we'll read that, that portion and then we'll take it from there. So, can somebody read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 down to verse 27? Do you not know that in a race all of the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. Now every athlete who goes into training 
conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. They do it to win a wreath uh, that will soon wither, but we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. Therefore, do not run uncertainly without definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary, but like a boxer, I buffet my body, handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships, and subdue it, for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand for test, be unapproved, and rejected as a candidate. Hmm. Can I read it from New King James? You read Amplified, isn't it? Jato. Yes. So let me read it from New King James. It says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection. Least when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now, can I can we just discuss this? What do you notice? Why is Paul laying emphasis on the issue of disciplining his body so that he will not be disqualified? Let's let's discuss, please. George, you know, yeah. like our like for instance, our athletes uh, competing for the Olympics, mm. um, they have their uh, own dietitian, so they will not eat rubbish, mm-hmm. and they will wake up uh, at a certain time and then do that training, obviously mm. to strengthen their muscle. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that they will develop endurance as well. And I think same as as laborers of God, we need to discipline ourselves. And when we say discipline, what I can you know understand with that is obviously there are a lot of um, things that will uh, distract you from your communion with God, like spending time reading his word and then uh, praying there are a lot of uh, obstructions or obstacles as well like you're busy with housework and probably the teenagers they are busy with the games or homework or anything Mm. you know but as i have mentioned we should always uh, allot a proper time our devotion our communion with god so that you know, if we keep training ourselves in that way, then as those Olympians, mm. then we can uh, definitely um, have that endurance mm. that eventually we will win that race, the marathon of this life. You know, you, you've used a very good, like it was written here, the analogy of the athletes who put themselves through strict discipline. Strict. Now, they do this to obtain, the Bible calls it, a perishable crown. Do you know all their gold? Gold medal, um, four-time world Olympic champion, all that finishes on this earth. It doesn't take, they they don't take the gold to the grave. They don't. And it's a question of time. There is no everlasting man. If Christ studies, no matter how many gold medals those athletes have collected, one day 
they will die. And that gold medal will remain on this earth. They don't bury, in fact, even if they try to bury the gold with them, eh, it doesn't follow them into eternity. The Bible calls it perishable crown. It's perishable. But you see, for the Christian, look at what we should be reminded of. The Bible says, we, we do all these things. We run the race for an imperishable one. A crown that does not lose its value. A crown that does not dissolve. A, a heavenly crown that, that um, carries great glory even in eternity. That's what we are contending for. So if look at all the stress the athletes put themselves through to get something that will finish on this, in this world, what should be our attitude to get this crown that does not perish? Look at the athletes. Some of them, they go and lock themselves up in one country. For six months, they will not see family. They will not see friends so that they can concentrate on their training. For six months, they, they, they bring in so much discipline to get a perishable crown, a crown that will dissolve. <laughs> now, God is trying to pull up. Let me use the term, pull your ear, pull my ear. To make you understand that what you are running for is a crown that does not perish. It's a heavenly, glorious crown. That is why you don't have an option but to put your body under. To discipline your body so that you can get this crown. You don't have an option. If for a perishable crown, people stress themselves. Why are we so lax? Why am I so um, casual about getting this imperishable crown? Why? It's because we don't understand. It's because we don't know the weight of what we are going for. We don't know the importance of it. We don't know the value. Look at what Paul was saying. And you see, it touched me so greatly. When Paul said, but I discipline my body. I bring it under subjection. Let me read it from a simpler translation. Um, he said, let me, let me just read it from the New Living Translation. New Living says in verse 26, I discipline my body like an athlete. Training it to do what it should. You see? So, you know, Nika said, how can we? We need discipline for, if, for two things I see here. You need discipline so that you will not commit sin. You need divine discipline under God by his grace to help you Stay away from sin. The Bible says, if your right hand causes you to sin, what should you do, please? <laughs> what should you do? It says, cut it off. Do you know, it's not, of course, you know that it's not saying a physical cutting. You know that. Yes. It's not saying physical cutting. But you need discipline to stay away from that that will make you sin. You need discipline. You need his divine discipline upon your life so that you will run away from, from misbehaving. You need it. You need discipline, divine discipline under God. When somebody is insulting you, eh, to say, Lord, by your grace, I am not going to insult him back. Is it not discipline? Discipline under God, of course. That's one aspect. You also need discipline to, to carry out your divine devotions. You see, 
when you wake up in the morning and you just want to keep sleeping, <laughs> or does it only happen to me? <laughs> you just want to keep sleeping and you know you need to get up and read your Bible. So when Paul is saying, I put my body under, I train it so that it should do what, because your body, let me tell you, your body loves enjoyment. Your body loves pleasure. Your body just wants both psychologically, emotionally, and otherwise, and physically. Your body is not usually your friend when it comes to spiritual things. Remember what Jesus said. He said, the flesh, the the spirit is willing, (laughs) but the flesh is weak. That is what the body does. But you see, under God, and I say this very, very, with all gravity and weight, under God, God wants us to put our body under subjection. You discipline it so that, look at the reason. He said, I bring, I discipline my body and bring it under subjection. Let me, let me read it from the NLT again. Sorry. He said, I, otherwise, I fear. He said, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself will be disqualified. Do you see what disqualifies people ultimately from being effective and approved workers for God? This is it. When you don't put your body under, look at Gehazi. Let's give an example. Or let's look at Judas. Judas did not did not tame his greed. Judas, he was stealing because of greediness. Hmm? And he did not put that aspect, he did not tame it. He did not put it under subjection. He kept stealing. He kept stealing. When the opportunity came for him to betray Jesus, and he knew that money was going to be involved. Do you know even when they when they when the um, priests and all those people wanted to um, bargain with him, do you know the question he was asking? He said, how much will you give me? <laughs> that was the question. It's all about money for Judas. How much will you give me for me to betray him into your hands? How much? But a man who has not put his desire for money, he has not, he has not tamed it. When the opportunity came to betray Jesus. He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And you see, for me, it's very crucial that if we do not put our desire, our our fleshly desires under, if we do not discipline your body, it will end up disqualifying you. Because look at Paul. Paul, the great Paul, let me allow me to use the word the great Paul. The Paul who did a lot of work for the kingdom. Paul knew that there is that probability for him to miss it if he does not put his body under. He knew it. There is no, nobody graduates from this thing we are talking about. You don't suddenly get to a point in your life and you say, yes, it doesn't matter. I can watch any any, any um, an immoral thing on, on, on the internet. I can watch anything on TV. It doesn't matter. My heart will be fine. Nobody graduates from it. Nobody. Was it not, do you remember, do you remember David? Do you remember David? David the king. 
what caused him trouble in his house, in his family? The Bible said, yes, yes, please. Let's discuss it. Yeah, yeah obviously, when he was so relaxed, you remember, you know, yeah. he was, he didn't have anything to do that night. He just <laughs> went and walked around in, you know, in the palace like that until he saw Bathsheba. Mm. And then that's the time it started, like mm. being uh, idol. Idol, yes. Idol. And obviously, that's when, you know, we don't uh, use that time to spend God. That's mm. when the uh, temptation comes. And obviously, because he didn't spend time with God. And then obviously, the flesh is weak. Exactly. And that's why he committed sin. Exactly. You know, it's a very serious matter. Remember, David is not... Yes, please. I mean, I think, I mean, one of the reasons is because he was derelict in his duty. <laughs> he was, uh, he was a king who, and the yeah. king would normally be at the battle. Yeah. And he wasn't. Yeah. You see, go with help us because you see, these things we are reading is, is for our own lesson. That's why if you are meant to be in church, if you are meant to be doing Christian work somewhere, and you suddenly say, oh, I'm not going. And you sit down in front of the TV. That day, you will watch a terrible thing that will defile your heart. And it happens. You see, when you see these things in the Bible, the Bible is just showing you what will happen even in your own situation. David was meant to be at war, at, bat at the battlefront. The Bible, I like the word of God. The Bible said he stayed at home during the time when kings, it is normally for kings to go to battle. That was the season for kings to be at the battlefront. The Bible said he was at home. And an ideal hand, it was, you know, when <laughs> an ideal hand that should be fighting the Lord's battles was on this on the rooftop and that's what happens when your eyes are not engaged in the things of god it will be engaged in something else so he was looking around and that's how he saw a, a woman having a bath and you know for us it can come in various forms you are meant to be doing God's work. You are meant to be engaged in, in doing something spiritual. And then you just find out that you are doing something else. And that thing you are doing will lead you to sin. That's what happened for David. He couldn't, because he was, like Kevin said, he was derelict in his duty. When you are not on duty for God, the question we should be asking you, or heaven should be asking you is, who are you on duty for? Who are you on duty for? Do you, do you remember what Uriah said? Uriah, the, the husband of Bathsheba. You know, Uriah was a man who was on duty. Even when David was trying to trick him and convince him to go to his, to his house and be with his wife, what was he saying? He said, how can I, how can I go and live in my house? He said, I am on duty. Oh God, David, sorry, let me use the, let me, let me use King David. You called me from the battlefront. I was on duty. You called me. And you're telling me I should go and be with my wife. No, I can't be with my wife when the Lord's name is on the battlefield. We, I should be on the battlefield. Do you know, as I read that scripture, it's as if in my heart, if I was Raya, I would be asking myself, but, um, King, oh, King David, you too should be at the battlefield. What are you doing at home? <laughs> what are you doing at home? You should be with us at the battlefield. But you are at home. That's what happens. So, you know, we should be, we should be careful. These are serious warnings for us. Not when you should be doing something spiritual. You know it is time to read the Bible. Eh? In the morning. 
and the next thing you are doing, Facebook, oh, and you start watching TikTok videos in the morning when you should be reading your Bible. Then you suddenly watch something you shouldn't watch. And George, um, with regards to King David, I know that the temptation was there, but the problem of him is he entertained it in his heart until it conceived into a sin. Mm. That's why as a punishment, uh, you know, that's why curse is uh, will be upon his uh, yeah. um, family up to is it third generation. It it, it was even um, you. It is quite uh, I, uh, the you trouble. Know. The trouble that entered David's house from that moment, even when God forgave him, mm-hmm. there was a death of an innocent baby. The baby um, the, that Bathsheba conceived died because of David. Excuse me. <laughs> if the baby could talk, do you know what the baby would say? Say, excuse me, it's not my fault. But um, Mr. David, you see what you've brought now. I can't enjoy life because of you. I can't. That's what happens. And you know, we must, we must be conscious of this. Let's not allow our selfish and fleshly desires. Uh, let's not allow it run riots. And it's not just in, in um, obvious things. It's not just in obvious wrongdoing. Even the quiet one that nobody sees. The subtle ones. For instance, you do a good deed. Eh? You do something nice. And you helped somebody. And the person did not appreciate you as you were expecting. <laughs> and then in your heart, you are saying, you see, they are, not, they are not even respecting our, our help here. Look at, I helped this person and it's not even thanking me enough. And you are feeling bad. You see, you are already, you are already putting a, a, you're already discrediting your service unto God. The Bible says everything you do, you should do it as unto the Lord. But when you are doing it for a man, of course, you'll be expecting thanks for them from the man. Now, I'm not advocating that people should be unthankful. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm only saying that when you do anything, First of all, you must realize that you are doing it as unto the Lord. So your approval is not first of all from man. It's from God. So even if man does not thank you, no problem. What are you saying in your heart? Lord, I thank you. Because my approval is not from men. No matter how noble and good men are, they cannot reward you adequately for your good works. They can't. So that's why all those um, desires of self, by God's grace and with the, with the help of God, which we would soon see from other scriptures, we need to learn to put it under because they are, it is very possible you can be disqualified. Just like what Paul said. He knew that if he did not put his body under Despite the fact that he has done these great things. He has preached to people, preached to several people. People have given their hearts to Jesus. Um, he had taught people the word of God. He had written letters. All those things. He knew that that doesn't stop him from being disqualified. If he does not handle himself. So, I see here that God is trying to rein our hearts in to understand that we need to keep a close eye on this. You, If we check through scriptures, you know, it, it touched my heart that men who work with God, if you want to check where they fell, it is this issue. Moses, 
a man who, who the Bible called the meekest man on earth. Yes. A man who, okay. Thank you, Kevin. We'll talk, yes, exactly. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that. Remember Moses, a man who, who, who the Bible called the meekest man on earth. The Bible said, like you know the story, anger stopped him from entering the promised land. Self. Noah. Do you remember Noah? Noah was a man who was righteous. The Bible said, and he found favor in the sight of God. What was the stain on Noah's testimony? He, 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 he planted a vineyard. That day, maybe, I don't know what he, maybe he should have been doing some things for God. <laughs> he decided to drink and he got drunk. You see, that's Noah. So that's why if great men had issues, who am I to say, ah, I'm okay. You need to, we need to trust God to keep an eye on it. You know? For, what, for whatever reason. I mean, he hadn't drunk for quite a few years. <laughs> it takes seven years to get, a, to get a vineyard to the place where the fruit is edible yes. and stuff like that. So it didn't happen overnight. So. Yes. But I think that highlights our ignorance. Mm. And if we step outside our known safety zone, yes, we are we are very very vulnerable. Yeah, there's no that's uh, binge drinking, George. Yes, <laughs> uh, um, I remember one pastor. It was it was very interesting. You know when he was sharing this, this this brother is is a is a pastor of a big. Um, denomination and they have branches all over the world it was so interesting when he was talking he said he went he went to preach in the US and he got to the hotel and prostitutes were throwing their complimentary card through his hotel door <laughs> you know and one of the evenings he received a phone call and um it was a prostitute offering her services. So he was sharing this in a pastor's meeting. And he now said he was going to travel again to America. <laughs> he was going to travel to America. And he told his wife, darling, you are following me to America. The darling said, uh, the wife said, oh, I have this women's meeting. Do you know what the man said? The man said, cancel the women's meeting. You are coming with me. I'm not going to America alone. I said, but, you know, you went alone the last time. He said, no, you are coming with me. I am not going alone. This is a man who his main central message is holiness. He's always preaching and talking about holiness. You know, you will not expect that such a man will be saying, I need my, I need to be careful. You will not expect a man to say, someone like him to say, ah, I am vulnerable as well. I am a human being. Excuse me. Who will, nobody will know if he quietly slept with a prostitute. But you see, remember, whatever we are doing, excuse me, we are doing it as unto who, please. The Lord. That was what Joseph knew. That was what Joseph saw. Joseph knew that if he defiled himself with Potiphar's wife, it is not going to be a sin, first of all, against Potiphar. If you remember what he said, he told Potiphar's wife, he said, how can I do this great wickedness against God? He didn't say against Potiphar. He, he was a trusted servant of Potiphar. Potiphar handed over his household, everything to Joseph. And Joseph knew that if I misbehave with Potiphar's wife, the sin is not against Potiphar first. The disloyalty is not going to be against Potiphar first. My mis, my um, 
the throwing away of divine trust is not first of all against Potiphar, it's against God. And you see, God must help us to carry this consciousness all the time. That if I, I, I lie, I am not lying first of all to human beings. Do you understand? If I am deceitful, I am not doing it first of all to human beings. It's the Lord. God is our, is, we should carry that consciousness all the time that we are living our life before God. Do you know there's something that scares me all the time? Anytime, once in a while, when you are just you allow your thoughts carry you and then you think some bad thoughts, there's something that scares me. Should I tell you? <laughs> the fear is that, oh Lord, do you know, I don't know if you have thought about it. Supposing all your thoughts suddenly as you are thinking, God is playing it out in front of you and for people to read. Those thoughts you have that nobody sees, supposing God decides to play it out on a large screen and people are reading it. <laughs> Do you see what, what, what it is? We are, first of all, accountable to God. If it was just human beings who are accountable to, honestly, it would be easy. But our first, the first person, look at what, look at what, um, Kevin, thank you for putting this scripture up. Look at what you, in Matthew chapter 6, you know, let's just look at it so that we remind ourselves that whatever we are doing is as unto the Lord. Matthew 6, This is Jesus talking. This is part of a, a teaching, like you know, the Beatitudes. Starting from chapter 5. And this was the starting of the Beatitudes, and Jesus continued teaching. Look at what he said in verse. Um, he was talking about prayer, but he talked about giving arms, helping people. In verse um, 1. Let me read it. It says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your father in heaven. That's the warning of Jesus. He says, take heed, be careful. That whatever you do, is it helping people? Don't do it for man's approval first. Don't do it so that you can get accolades and congratulations from men. He said, otherwise, the reward you should get from your father, you will lose it. He said, therefore, when you do a charitable verse 2, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may have glory from men. Do you see? Glory for men. Let's be careful. When you take glory from men, you forfeit the glory that should come from God. He said, assuredly, I tell you. And when Jesus says, assuredly, <laughs> you, you take note. It is, you have to, you know that that is your word. Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. I imagine. I do a great thing for God. Eh? And I'm doing it and I'm making and, and, and I'm seeking glory for man. What, what's the best man can give you? For all your good work in the kingdom, what's the best man can give you? They'll give you money. They'll give you praise. They'll clap for you. I imagine you do something for God, and all your reward is. How long can I even clap for you? For how long? <laughs> for how long? I think, George, like yes. uh, by doing that, um, especially the wealthy one, they will gain more, like uh, 
respect and influence from yes. other people. Yes. That's why, for instance, like uh, the, someone has donated a million to a charity. So obviously it will be in the paper. Mm. And if that person, like for instance, will come to a room, everyone will be offering their seat for that person. Mm. You know, like it seems like they are important people. So I think that might be the reason why they are doing this. Just not only those uh, clapping or recognition, but yes. I think just to gain uh, power and influence like that. Yes. Honestly, I agree. Because you see, all those things are good for this world. And can we remember that even human beings, they are very unstable. They will praise you today. Eh? It happened, did it not happen with Jesus? They will praise you today, carry you up, and tomorrow they will say, crucify him. They will say, release the rob the arm robber to us. Crucify this good man. Today, Hosanna in the highest, and blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Tomorrow, crucify him. Human beings. Unstable as water. They can praise you today. They can, they can do great things as accolades for you. The honor of human beings is not what you should go and look for. Look for the honor that comes from God. Honestly, look, let us seek the honor. Let me read the scripture to you, please. On this issue of honor. Look at it. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Look at verse. Is it verse 30? No, verse 44. Look at what Jesus said here. There is a song I sing with this verse, but we will talk about it. I won't sing it now. Some people are already laughing. Look at verse 44. John 5, verse 44. It says, How can you believe who receive honor from one another? It went on to say, And do not seek the honor that comes from God. From And do not seek the honor that comes from the only God. How? Let me read from another translation. How can you believe which receive honor one of another? Seek not and seek not the honor that comes from God only. So, excuse me, we should seek the honor that comes from God. That's what God wants us to do. Seek the honor that comes from him. That is the honor you should seek. Because you see, even if human beings thank you, they will forget. Even if they honor you, they respect you today, that respect can disappear. It's not lasting. Let's seek his divine approval, his divine honor. That is what we should chase. This is what makes people serve God selflessly. Yes, Kevin. So yeah, as you say that the 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 honor you receive from man is temporary, and the honor you receive from God is treasure in heaven, which is eternal. Mm. So, so so it is quite quite simple in that way, isn't it? The um one thing I wanted to say is that um idolatry uh, the, in the things we're looking at, one Corinthians ten fourteen, wherefore thy dearly beloved flee from idolatry, and we're getting more and more idolatry, which is idolizing self. Mm. Self is becoming the biggest idol, yeah. basically. And and I would suggest in the church as well, when you hear to some of the songs, the songs are about worshipping what God's done for me, mm. for me, mm. sort of yeah. thing, rather than what we what do for he, God. He is, um, yeah. mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's so important. You see, this, like you said, self has become the grieving image. We bow down to self. And do you know, even when I, when I look at the celebrity culture, 
it is based on self. It is built on self. Do you, do, don't you see how Jesus, even when Jesus was pulling cloud, even when people were following Jesus, do you see how he handled himself? How he dealt with faith? You will see that we have an example of a man in Jesus who helped people. He was, he, he pulled crowd, he was a crowd puller, but he still handled fame like a, a very humble man. Humility was in his life. There are times when Jesus will tell people, don't tell anybody. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Just go and go your way. Don't tell anybody. Excuse me. You healed somebody now. Eh? A friend of yours was ill and you laid your hands on him and you healed him. And you tell that person, don't put it on Facebook. Are you? And you honestly tell that person, please, I don't want noise. Don't put this on Instagram. Or will you say, um, please, can you snap a picture of how I was stretching my hand? <laughs> Just snap that picture. Now, record, record your testimony and put it on my page. Record it, record it. You know, even if you, are, even if you want to share testimony, must you make sure that it is you that carry the miracle? that performed it. Why can't you do it anonymously? Why can't you eradicate your name from it and say it is not me, it's it's God? Do you see the mind that people like Peter had? Do you remember the man at the beautiful gate? Let's look at it. There was, you see, I keep asking God, God, you need to help me so that I can carry this kind of humble spirit. Look at Peter. When they healed the man at the beautiful gate in Acts chapter 3, they finished healing the man and people gathered in Acts chapter 3. And in verse 12, you know, people, people, people gathered. They have just healed this man. Miraculously. And in Acts chapter 3, verse 12. Let me read it from verse 11. Now, as the lame man who was healed held onto Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the porch, which is called Solomon, greatly amazed. Verse 12. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us? As though by our own power or godliness, we have made this man walk. Why are you concentrating on us? Why are you looking at us? It's as if it's by our power. This man has has walked today. The God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when it was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. He was pointing to Jesus. Don't look at us. Look at Jesus. It is not, see, we might be holy men, but even our holiness was not what did this. It was God. Just to show you again, that they were not going to allow anything to 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 distract people from looking at Jesus. 
I'm praying that we'll carry this kind of heart because God will not be afraid to use you in his vineyard when he knows that you are not going to take his glory. When he knows that, ah, this, this brother, this sister, this young girl, this young man will not take my glory. No problem. The next time you pray for somebody and he gets healed and everybody gathers, what will you do, please? You do like Peter. Don't look at me. Please, don't look at me. It's not me. It's the Lord. Let's look at him. Even me, I'm looking at him. Yes, tell me. I mean, yeah, that's true of um, that people are, we hope, operating in the gifts and things like that. But I, I'm a bit more concerned about the new pew sitters. We, uh, you... we, we went pew sitters, the okay. new pew sitters, mm. where basically, you know, you go along, you listen to the music, you, you enjoy, you sway in the spirit, you, you enjoy all those sort of things, and then you go home. I'm more concerned about that, really. This is just for me to receive whatever it is yes. God's got for me. Um, I'm more concerned about that, really. Mm-hmm. Than, so. You know, I, I just pray the Lord will help us because these are things that we should, like you said, if it's all about, oh, let me just receive, receive, receive. And it's all about me. You receive. And then you even... There are times when you can even, those things can make you feel as if it's all about your pleasure in the spirit. Let me use the word, let me put it in quotes. And it, and, and you know, this is the kind of thing that makes the Christian. Um, it's all about me. And so they don't give, they don't sacrifice. They are not sacrificial in whatever they want to do. And I I trust that God will help us because the more I look at this, I'm I'm seeing how God is saying, if you want to go deeper with me, we need to deal with these issues in our lives. If you want to see God do more through your hands, we need to keep trimming our, our lives off any rough edges that will displease him. If the Lord knows that if I walk through you, you will be proud for the next one year. God will say, excuse me. <laughs> Let's withdraw this thing before he goes and kills himself. You know, I trust that the Holy Spirit will help us. I pray that God will, will always and we will cooperate with the Holy Spirit to remain humble, to remain under him, that we will not bear any name except the name of Jesus. That your name is not what matters. It's the name of Jesus that matters. Come and join Pastor George's Bible study at 8 p.m. 